It is Monday, the 25th of November, 2019, and it is time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm the host of this program next to my trusty steed and co-host from CBS Sports, as well as many other places, I think. The one and only Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. How are you? Fired up, man. I'm I'm packed in. I'm holding. I'm smiling. I'm living. I'm golden. Let's rock this house. Which right? '90s reference is this? Oh, come on, come on. I don't come know. On. All right. Well, you know, you, you, yeah. I, w- I wonder. I wonder the what life you lived in the '90s often. To be honest with you, I was in high school. All right. It's fine. It's Apparently, fine. I'm being told it's third you know, line, which I makes mean, <laughs> which makes you lame. I mean, going given going by your music choices, I just got to ask you, where were you while we were getting high? You know what I mean? Because uh, uh, you're I probably, do like Oasis. Yeah. I do All like right, Oasis. Right. Uh, yeah, I was. I went to the Cannibal Corpse concert yesterday. We'll get into that. You want to set the one in Philadelphia? You know what's amazing to me, Philadelphia? By the way, nice town. Uh, you're like, have you ever like spent time in Philly? Yeah, I've done some time there. Okay, you well, can you could die there. You got to be careful. Uh, I went to Eastern State Penitentiary by the way. I toured it. It was kind of cool, but. Um, Nice town, actually. They don't mosh. They're they're kind of cowardly in terms of the pit. I was very. Right, if we're gonna get right into it, you were uh, attacking me, harassing me on social media. I don't with think this. I was harassing you. I was I was telling you how much I missed you, Brian with Campbell, the, with uh, live shots of Campbell. Can we get the picture up there that you put out and you uh, you added me on yeah. there? Of uh, here's here's um here's cool dad Luke yeah. at, at the concert. By the way, notice quite explicitly um, above my left ear is an earplug. I'm that guy. All right. Now. Well, this is the thing because you put it out there. A lot of people all oh, wonder what Campbell thinks about this. Um. <laughs> But then I started to look at that picture, Luke. Uh-huh. How cool are you if you're going to a a uh, a flesh eating concert and you're sitting up in the upper deck yes. with an airpiece? Yeah. Um, I have to be honest with you. You know what I think of when I watch that? Oh yes. Jay, can we hit it up there? <laughs> yeah, but there's not kids at the show. Uh, there's some twenty year olds. You can't but... get down there and throw your weight around. I mean, you, you. So here's the deal. I was with my wife, number one, and she didn't want to be on the floor. She for two reasons. One, she doesn't want to mosh, which is fine. But two, she's short. She's cheeky tika. She's five two, so she can't literally see anything. So I paid extra to go to what they call the crow's nest, and uh, it was fine up there. So. Look, I'm too old to be beating up kids, bro. I'm just too fucking old to be doing that. I've ha- I've had my I've had my day in the pit. And Do you guys uh, eat fried embryo when you're up there? I mean, what, what's kind of what's the delicacy at a show like this? Uh, <laughs> this is true. Hot dogs. <laughs> Hot dogs. But uh, they 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 rock. This is the Corpse Grinder official shirt of the lead singer. You're they, a, they were amazing. You're a psychological experiment. I feel like you're a good education away from being a ditch digger. I really feel like that. Probably. Here's the last thing I'll say Maybe about this. Maybe an organ broker. The last thing I'll say about defensive death metal, it's not for everybody. But the reality is this. I like boundary-pushing music. Uh, I like that in hip-hop, and I like that in my metal. I don't like the conventional stuff. It bores me. It does nothing. Well, not does nothing. It rarely does something for me. I like it when people make like a, not merely aggressive but unusual music. It, it's in, you like it's, lyrics about rape is really where you're going with this. Um, well, there is a song called uh, "Strip Raped and Strangled." So, right, yes. hey, great way to start the show. It is Monday of uh, something, right? It is. So over the weekend, let's get this started. Well, on that lovely note, there was a big boxing fight on Saturday. It was at the MGM Grand. It was between Deontay Wilder, your reigning and defending WBC champion, and Luis Ortiz. This was a rematch in the making. We had talked about it extensively, Brian Campbell, and in the end, Deontay Wilder wins in the seventh round. Here's the interesting part about it, however, Brian, as you well know. He was losing every minute of that fight, essentially. There was maybe, and when I say maybe, I do mean maybe, 
one round you could give. I had it six water. to nothing straight up. That's exactly how I had it too. I saw one place bad left hook. I think Scott Chris, the bad left hook, had it 59, uh, whatever the 59, uh, I forget what the math is on this yeah, one. Yeah, you want to float around to Wilder, okay, but yeah. this was one-sided. This was a one-sided event. I did it on Dissected. You can just see how much better of a boxer Luis Ortiz was, but in the end, it just it just didn't matter, Brian. One shot, a right hand from Wilder puts him down. Two questions for you to start today's yeah. show. Number one, what does this fight tell you new, if anything? And secondly, where do we rank Deontay Wilder all time in terms of power punching? The questions are almost connected in a way because this guy, you can say it without any form of hyperbole or asterisk next to it, he has legendary power. We're watching the making of a special and unique career. The difference in the first fight I told you in the preview coming in was conditioning. What did we see from Luis Ortiz the second time? Came in ripped, came in ready. He has no excuses to make after this loss. He was winning six to nothing on my card. He looked like he was en route to potentially, should this have gone the distance, having a legitimate claim. No scorecard issues this time around. All three judges had him comfortably ahead at the time of stoppage. And yet, just like Wilder said after the fight, he said this quote many times, they have to be perfect for 12 rounds, I have to be perfect for two seconds. And it's insane how unique and special of a fighter he is. He has legendary power. Is it better than Sonny Liston's, Mike Tyson's, Ernie Shaver's? Really hard to, to really sort of pick that out. But the difference, I think, between him and some of these legendary heavyweights, right? We've seen guys like Rocky Marciano rally against Jersey Joe Walcott for a dramatic knockout, George Foreman against Michael Moore. But those are sort of aberrations in their career. Yet Wilder is consistently doing that every single fight, almost to the point of strategy, He's a lot smarter than we realize. He's not going out there and getting a lucky punch. He's downloading information the same way a Floyd Mayweather would and well, using that later. Not the same IQ, not the same style, okay. but my point is he's doing the things he needs to do to win the fight, which is he's not worried about the scorecards. He knows he's in better shape than you, and he's going to sort of wait into that second half if he doesn't catch you early and wait till you wear down. And, and a little spoiler alert, Professor Salt and Pepper really did a good job this week on Dissected, sort of breaking that down. And the reason why I say he's so unique and special is this. He's not Ali or Frazier or Tyson or Bo or Holyfield, and he's never going to be. And we as fans and critics have to get to that point where we go, I'm going to stop comparing him against them and saying, when is he going to square up his boxing. When he's, gonna do that, he's not going to do any of that. Right. He's going down one lane of the road and re relying on his one superhuman strength and building his whole game around that in such an efficient and smart way that historically, at 6'7", with that athleticism, he can fight against anybody. He's going to be in any fight. This is now a special, unique career. Now, 10 title defenses in an era that seems to be a little bit more deep than the last one, the Klitschko era, these are not all legends and killers that he's fighting, but he wants to fight everybody, and within those grounds, except for the first fight with Stiver when he broke his right hand in round three, and except for that legendary fight against Tyson Fury that we're going to see a second time in which he dropped Fury twice and nearly decapitated him, if you go 12 rounds with him, you're not making the final round. And once we stop trying to force him to be who he's never going to be as a right. guy who came into this sport late at 19 years old and just celebrate what he is... He builds the entire fight around that one moment. And it wasn't one of those crazy helicopter shots. People can watch Dissected it's a, it's and see a, it. It's a it one, was two? a perfect, timed thing that was set up along the way where we have to stop and go, not only is this guy special and unique, but who the hell outside of Tyson Fury has a chance to beat him right now? Every time he goes in there, it's must-see TV, and he delivers the damn boom. I hope, Luke, 
And we can talk about Wilder Fury too, which will happen February 22nd, and talk about what it can do and be big. I hope that this fight with the ESPN and Fox connection coming together for a joint network pay-per-view can push Wilder's brand to a level where it deserves to be. Because what else would you want in a renaissance heavyweight division than to have the main guy, the guy who's probably the best of them all, although let's give Fury a chance to prove that in the second fight, be charismatic? be coming out during fight week and being like, yeah, I'm going to kill a man one day in the ring and make crazy comments that make headlines, come out there with a eyes wide shut mask and all this wild stuff, and then knock suckers out. Yep. This is exactly who we want. This is exactly who we need. And I've never been a big Wilder cheerleader from day one, but at this point, if you are a critic, what leg are you standing on? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to say anymore about this guy. You know what's so funny to me? It's like people keep waiting for the party trick to not work. And we're nearly 50 fights into his career, and it just keeps working. Now, you can argue that Tyson Fury maybe should have won the first fight. In fact, I think he kind of He won of the did. fight. Let's be honest. He got screwed. Yeah, I thought he did so, too. But, it, but at, the, at the same time, the dynamism of that punch and how it changed the fight and what it, the intrigue it, it sends for the rematch is simply undeniable. I mean, here's the reality. You kind of know what's going to happen against Tyson Fury. He's going to outbox Deontay Wilder. There's just no question about it. But to your point, in the tiniest of windows... When your defense is just a little bit, not even bad, just a little bit lazy, a little bit complacent, which fighters do time to time, including elite ones, he'll just send you into the land of wind and ghost. It's, it's wild, and I think you're right about the expectations. He's never, like, you looked at this fight, dude, Ortiz was the better boxer, not by a little bit. By a lot. Well, not just that, Luke. Just to pause you real quick. Tell me after that performance that Ortiz isn't, at worst, the third best heavyweight in the game right now. I would favor him against Josh, against Joshua Ruiz, almost anyone else. I don't Look know. at that performance well, up to that point of that I don't stoppage. know where I would put Ortiz, but to your point, I'd be curious to see those matchups, and there might be some surprises there along the way. He's certainly a very talented guy. He was and yet, while there is two KOs over this guy now. It's unbelievable, and this one cleaner than the last. Now, there was some dispute about the ending, but the point about it is, look, he's not going to be the guy that wows you with the footwork. He's not going to be the guy that wows you with his angles or his incredible use of the jab or whatever, except in little tiny spots. And then those spots combined with the nuclear power of his right hand, it is simply at always, you're just on the seat, edge of your seat waiting, is this going to be the punch? Is the next one going to be the punch? And, and the reality is he keeps delivering from the moment he does the media to his walkout with his crazy get-ups to his fight, and that fight kind of sucked up until it didn't, but in the end, did you get what you want if you were a fight fan? You did. Yeah, if but you was paid... it boring the whole time? No, it's dramatic edge of your seat but it's my waiting point. for that moment. If you pay money for Deontay Wilder, does he deliver for you every time? Every time he does. Now, the question about where his power ranks, I'm with you. It's like, on the one hand, he doesn't do, he's not as good of a boxer as Tyson or Liston, or Shavers. Those guys did great work with angles and with their feet and body work. But that's kind of what makes him remarkable. He doesn't have those boxing tools, and maybe he's not fighting the same level of competition. But at the same time, the guys who they're giving him, he's just sitting them down over and over and over again. So my rule on him is I don't know where to place him, but there's no argument that he deserves placement. You can, yeah. you can quibble with the ranking, but as an all-time historic puncher, that's where he belongs on that list, absolutely, especially at range. Again, the body work kind of changes things a little bit. I mean, he's a headhunter. He doesn't go to the body. Nope. In, in, in some fights, he Not doesn't, much even, of a jabber. doesn't use his jab as a weapon if you're smart enough as a boxer to sort of do things to counteract that. And yet, again, he's not getting lucky. He's setting it up and nailing it. So you have to be done saying... 
I'm waiting for him to be exposed because we're past that point. We would say, what would happen if he had he's to go been, 12 rounds? He did thing. that against Devern, right? Like, what would happen if Brian, he... Brian, Brian, hold on to, to interject here, if I may, he's been exposed. The problem is, like, it's not a secret. He's not that great of a boxer. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it just doesn't matter that much. That's the problem. And I think people miss that they use his corner, Jay Diaz, and Mark Breland, the Hall of Famer. They very intelligently use his vulnerabilities and negativities to help build his strength. They use it as a factor. He gets raw at times, but raw in a way that, that freezes his opponents and makes him scared. I mean, the success that Luis Ortiz had for f- six rounds or five and a half rounds in the first fight, there's really nobody else outside of Fury who's six foot nine with an incredibly historic long reach and has quickness that can be able to have that kind of success. Why? Why does he blow away a guy like Brazil, the first punch he lands that's clean in the first round? Because that power is not only so lethal, the threat of that power is so sick that you can't come out with your best performance and have success because the first or second time he touches you, you could go away. Right. Ortiz was a guy who just happened to be six foot five with a great amateur background, power in both hands, and a great chin, and a willingness from his quote coming in that I'm willing to die in the ring to win if I have to, and even he got caught and blown away. So this now builds up to Wilder is maxing himself out. He's being the best that he could possibly be within his own body and skills and experience, and I think it makes this Tyson Fury rematch even bigger given this calendar year now of two devastating knockouts from Wilder than it would have been had it happened right after the first one. Because when you have a promoter like Bob Arum, who's uh, on the ESPN side with Fury, saying, oh, I think this fight can do two million pay-per-views, I think that's a little aggressive. But at the same time, we've never seen a pay-per-view be done with two networks that are primetime regular TV networks like Fox and ESPN using the build to the Super Bowl that they'll be able to use on Fox and also on ESPN. And to see what that engine can do this rematch in February, and thank you, by the way, Deontay Wilder, for not hurting your hand or getting a cut. Thank you for right. coming out of that. It should be noted quickly, his last two fights didn't take a whole lot of damage. This rematch could end up being, with the right promotion machine, one of those fights that we haven't had in a long time. A million bucks? Every, I think million is, is now the basement in my potential. I think it can go one and a half, and that is a wow. monster success in 2019. But I think even one and a half is saying like, or 2020, even one and a half can't be a ceiling because we don't know the potential, Luke. We don't, we've never seen in the modern days using the, the Super Bowl build on Fox you know, to, build, to build up a fight like this. It's interesting, the potential of this fight, and I love what it's doing for the damn heavyweight division. You remember what it's like growing up as a kid in the 90s. Yeah, of course. I say this this story all the time, but after like Bo Holyfield won, what would you do? You'd turn on SportsCenter and you'd get like a half hour on site to lead off the show of Bernstein and of uh, Charlie Steiner giving you all the, I mean, it was the biggest story in sports and sometimes even more than sports when you would have these heavyweight title fights. And once again, I'm not telling you that Fury Wilder, Joshua Ruiz and Ortiz are as good as the 70s or 90s crop that we had, the two best eras in heavyweight history, but they're pretty damn fun. They make must-see fights. They come to win. This era, this renaissance section in history that we're going through, we're getting there. This Wilder Fury 2 could be that monster fight that pulls everybody back in. And it's such an easy sell for all the reasons you mentioned. These two guys are the peak of their game. There's the lineal title belt thing going on versus WBC. But on top of that, American versus Englishman. I'm sorry this is a relevant factor in boxing, white versus black. It's not about that, but I'm saying there's this contrast of backgrounds and identities. And it's also an easy sell to the public. It's like you've got a better boxer and a better puncher. And 
I don't know what's going to happen. But and they, well, they both have the kryptonite for each other that's exactly that no right. one else can produce. That's exactly right. And you've seen them enact it before to that very controversial draw. So it's a rematch you can draw upon that controversy. It's the easiest sell in boxing for a heavyweight fight in some time. The last thing I'd say about it is, and I mentioned this on um, Dissected, I'm not comparing their two games in any real capacity other than to say the following. If there is one person that Deontay Wilder reminds me of in terms of his, I'll just put it this way, offensive priorities, it's Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero will take our, and, and, and MMA is very different. Well, you're going to go Hendo with the H-bomb there. but No, but it's because Yoel Romero will take a round or two, and then the third round, kaboom, out of nowhere. Chris Weidman was beating Yoel Romero in New York City thoroughly until he wasn't. And you see that, again, Luke Rockle was kind of winning that one pretty cleanly until he wasn't. He has this ability to have these third-round, out-of-nowhere, explosive moments. And again, of course, he had that pedigree in wrestling. I don't want to overstretch the comparison, except to say there are guys in the game who just don't mind giving away some real estate on the cards because they know, I just need a little bit of space later, and I'm going to tear you to pieces. And And he does it so effectively. We're just not wired as boxing fans to understand seeing somebody at that level employ that strategy because you got a guy like Tyson who you can't really compare to Wilder outside of just having big power, but Tyson would go out there to get you out of there as quick as he possibly could. Sometimes people will run into Wilder's right hand in round one, and that happens. But for the most part, specifically against elite opponents, like you said, very comfortable to say, have your success now. Meet me five, six rounds later when it's not going to be as easy for you to move on your toes, and I'm getting closer, and I'm bringing the boom. And the other part is it keeps him fresh, too. He doesn't spend a ton of energy either. He has to mind his P's and his Q's, but it's not like he's out there really exerting a ton of energy, so he gets to stay fresh and keep his power late into the fight as well. I cannot wait to see that rematch. It's I mean, then you've got Joshua Ruiz, too, in two weeks. This is It's a great time to be it's alive. It's a great time to be alive. So that t- takes us to now... I hate to even bring it up, but I have to bring it up. Um, All right, here's the deal. So Floyd Mayweather, how long ago, Brian? Two weeks ago says, yeah, I'm not going to make a comeback. It's too hard on the body. Six days ago. Six days ago. Let's say a week just to be generous. Says, nope, uh, you know, I'm 42. I'm just too old. This is a young man's game. And then maybe a few days later takes to Instagram and says, uh, I'm coming back out of retirement in 2020. That followed, by the way, or I should say was preceded by him sitting down courtside at some, I think it was Clippers and Celtics, with UFC President Dana White. It should be noted that Zufa Boxing was supposed to have an announcement yes. in October. I know that they have made hires. Mike Coppinger of The Athletic has reported that, but there was no announcement in October. November is almost over. Floyd teasing 2020. And then, lastly, Brian, I'll pitch this to you first as well, TMZ reporting... For whatever that is worth, for, again, for whatever that is hey, worth. Hey, say what you want about TMZ. They get it right a lot. They do get scoops. That's the yeah. thing about TMZ. Like, they report on, like, whoa, Vicky and Bad Baby, but, like, they get the scoops. Okay. Saying that what Floyd is looking at is either Pacquiao rematch, okay, or just to box the ears off some UFC fighter terribly out of his depth. Yes. What do you make of all of this Floyd Mayweather news? <sighs> Because of how you laid out in the beginning, that it was literally like 48 hours after he was in L.A. opening up one of his new lines of uh, fitness boxing gyms, tells Reuters what you said. I'm never coming back, but focused on the danger of the sport. Referenced the lives lost in the ring in 2019. And then a day or two later is, is going full throttle with this. And then because you see UFC and Dana White and others associated with UFC regramming it on IG, you, I think you have to believe that it's more likely at 42, would be 43 by the time he comes back, holding that 50-0 record, that it's more related to fighting an MMA fighter. And it's one of those things, Luke, that, look, Floyd's a troll. He kind of did cannibalizing, 
Cannibal Corpse Concert Week, uh, on his own promotion, considering he was a co-promoter of record with Mayweather Promotions on Wilder Ortiz 2, a PBC venture, yet he's floating his name out there in a big way during Fight Week. The same tricks he used to do, right, during like Golovkin-Canelo Fight Week right. to bring the attention back on him. That was a little bit odd. There's certain elements to this that are just odd. But I think if you do the math, what would be the best case scenario for us? I think really Mayweather-Pacquiao 2. Even if they were 43 and 41, like they will be next year, Pacquiao is going through a renaissance at 40. That win against Keith Thurman is as good as, as any recent win uh, in the sport. I just don't know at 43 if Floyd would do that now. Uh, I think that experience against Connor and the ease of it and the experience even against Nasakawa in Japan. Yeah. And the easy money. The one thing I don't want this to do, because look, here's the thing. We're all going to go, oh, we don't want this, we don't want this. And then if it was Floyd Habib and it happened, of course, we'd get drawn back in because it's a spectacle. You have to see it, even though we don't want it. If it does it plays any part in keeping the UFC from making Habib, Tony Ferguson, five, then... Are you... Wait, wait. Let me back up a step just so I understand you clearly. Are you suggesting that the UFC is considering making a boxing match between Habib Nurmagomedov and Floyd Mayweather? I'm going to say that when you see all the retweeting going on from everybody involved with the UFC... And, you know, Dana wants to get involved in the sport in any way. And right now, there's just no free agent fighters that aren't aligned with ESPN or Showtime or Fox or, you know, DAZN or whatever. What's the next thing you can do? Take one of his guys and match him up with Floyd and use all his promotional powers and push it. And then did you see Ali Abdelaziz, Habib's manager, float out some kind of cryptic IG posts that I didn't really understand, but kind of in, in setting that it was supposed to, I just made up a word there, kind of um, basically saying that that fight was supposed to happen in January in Saudi Arabia. I'm not really sure what you can pull from it, but it, it's, um, well, it's well, here's interesting. The thing. Man managers in MMA often repeat half-truths, or they're just trying to sell you on something. I, I, here's what my sense of things are. Between him sitting with Dana White and the lack of a Zufa boxing announcement, my hunch is that they're trying to get a big splash going. And what better way to get a big splash going if most of the best fighters are already signed or belonging to PBC or to Bob Arum at top rank or they're at zone? Who's available and has a huge name that's known, by the way, to UFC audiences? It is Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is easily the most popular boxer in MMA, right? For better or for worse, that is his role. He is the king of the trolls, yes, but he's also the king of visibility. What I took away from the McGregor fight, and I know you have report, at least suggested on the show that your sources tell you that he didn't hardly train for that fight. Even with that, I talked to Paulie Malignaggi about that fight when it first ended, and Paulie is known as a clear and unequivocal Floyd Mayweather supporter, and even he agreed with me that it was time to really hang it up. Now, the Nasakawa exhibition thing notwithstanding, Floyd just didn't look great in that fight beyond the you know the uh, lack of the work in the first three rounds. He just didn't have his legs under him. He didn't look physically at 42 or 41 at that time, whatever he was. He just didn't look to be, while in good physical condition for the age, he didn't look to be elite boxing physicality needed to compete against the top junior and then regular welterweights at that, at that moment. Pacquiao kind of does, which is miraculous, but he does. So here's what I'm going to say. I don't know who he's going to fight. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of him fighting Pacquiao, assuming that Floyd is was that that fight was aberrant and not an indication of where he has arrived as an aging talent. But if that McGregor fight is actually where Floyd is now, yeah, he can fight UFC fighters until he's blue in the face. He's going to knock them all out. Like they don't have a shot against him, even as a I mean, especially Habib. Good God, yeah, even as a declined property in terms of his physical abilities, which again wasn't just my interpretation, Paulie agreed. So 
I would say that seems most likely. Plus, what a launch for Zufa Boxing. What a great way to get off the ground with a somebody you can sign, recognizable to your audience. Uh, we know that that UFC fighter versus Floyd Mayweather thing works certainly for Floyd, and UFC made a ton of money. And we mentioned it last time, what was the big takeaway from Mayweather-McGregor in terms of losses? Connor could write it off saying, hey, I nothing ventured, nothing gained. It's not even my regular sport. And they all made a bunch of money. You could probably, probably, although it'd be a little bit harder, you might be able to do that again. Now, I wonder if Habib goes in there and just gets absolutely annihilated, if there would be as forgiving as they were for Connor. One doesn't really know, but 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 there is at least precedent to assume that he could. But it goes back to my point. When someone's doing drugs in our life, we always have that comment of, hey, you know, do you, just don't, as long as you're not hurting anybody else. If this idea goes forward and Floyd Habib has some life to it, you are hurting things. You're hurting UFC fans from the idea of you're hurting Tony Ferguson. That's a fight. I mean, this is the historically yeah, deep like, division. But didn't, didn't Habib say in Uzbekistan for this event that he was out there for, I think it's called guerrilla fighting, if I'm not mistaken, that they were going to do an April show in Brooklyn? If that's the case, then that, I would amend my, my take right there. If we can get Tony Habib 5 in April in Brooklyn, and then they can schedule some type of showcase afterwards, that's fine. I just don't think we're getting Maypack too, even though I think if Floyd was going to come back against an active fighter, it would be the best fight. But Floyd is almost too smart to take that fight right now. Floyd because, doesn't you know, take big risks, and ever. Good God, I can't believe Manny Pacquiao went out there and did that to Keith Thurman. Right. And if you're Floyd and you've been inactive, it just doesn't seem like a smart idea. At the same time, Luke, even if you're like the biggest Floyd hater and critic, could you get excited about him continuing this lopsided boxer versus MMA thing. I mean, I feel like it's tiresome already. I feel like the Nasakawa fight against a 20-year-old guy, four weight divisions smaller than you, was kind of shameless. And I'm not saying ex-boxers haven't done this in the past. Ali's went on world tours and done pseudo-wrestling and MMA matches, but shouldn't he be better than that? Right. Well, here's the deal. What would sell more? Being dead serious. Habib, and I'm going to make it up, because it may not be Habib. It could be somebody else. But let's say it's Habib. Habib versus Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match promoted by all the relevant entities or Maypac 2. Right? Here's one thing you can say. Mayweather McGregor was exciting. Mayweather versus Pacquiao, while a legitimate boxing contest, not overly exciting. Right? You can look back on that. Oh, do we really want to see Maypac 2? Or do we want to see something crazy again? I would, I would humbly submit to you, either would likely be big. Maybe Maypac 2 is even bigger, but the fact that they're even relevant and close to one another, and one is a significantly less uh, uh, difficult of a challenge, it, it makes Mayweather's calculations a little bit easier to follow. I think the wild card in this, though, may be Saudi Arabia, which is throwing, as a country, so much money at WWE. At Joshua Ruiz 2 reports that AJ might be making $75 million as a guaranteed flat rate if you're Floyd and you have those conversations with them, and you can get a couple hundred million, yeah, you'll probably fight anybody. Oh, and lastly, I think there was an Entertainment Tonight headline. I'm, making, I'm not making this up. Logan Paul, who just is, you know, I mean, what a, what a skin tag this creature is. He said he wanted to box Floyd Mayweather, and they put up a poll on their site about it. Should Logan Paul box Floyd Mayweather? I hope he does. All right, oh, if I, I could really get off of... Regular butt fight journalist, boxing guy at my core, and then get into gas station food eating, Brian Campbell, yeah. and go within this carnival circus realm of Floyd fighting 20 year old featherweight kickboxers. There's one thing to fight a guy smaller than you who has no chance, and Logan Paul has no chance under any circumstances, but the fact that he's a cruiserweight and Floyd at welterweight, if they ever made that kind of carnival match, there's an entertaining side to that. Please go die in a fire. <laughs>
Okay. And I don't want it. I don't want that for Floyd's legacy. I'm just saying that there, there's a little bit of interest in there. A little guy against a big guy? Please die in a fire. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, it is official. John Jones is going to have a title fight. It'll be at light heavyweight. It'll be in February in Houston, Texas. Uh, it'll be at the Toyota Center. I believe February 8th is the day, if memory serves, 2020. He will take on Dominic Reyes. Now, Brian, we got to this uh, last week or the week before, certainly talking about it. Now that it's official, it's exciting. I'm glad he's doing it. All the reasons we talked about. It. He's the right candidate. Um, it could be exciting. Uh, by the way, I get... I don't want to jinx it because I don't think this is quite right. I don't get the vibe that I'm like, oh, I'm feeling an upset because that's not quite true. But I am getting the vibe for sure that Dominic Reyes is going to is, is being wildly underrated in this one. And I, it's one of those situations where like, what could you really point to before the Anderson Silva Chris Weidman fight that gave you a clear a clear indication that Chris Weidman was going to win? Nothing, or at least very little. Similar kind of situation. Different circumstance, John's only 31, although he's been in the game a lot longer. But the point being is, I get a sense that, not that I'm like, oh, here comes the upset, but rather that when it's over one way or the other, Dominic Reyes will have shown us his true, actual ability. I think he will get taken down, but he has shown, after getting taken down, he gets back up rather easily. The same Vulcan, brother. I understand, but he has what I would call adaptive takedown defense, where he gives it up at first, but then gets up and then realizes the tricks you're pulling, and then he stops it, right? He He has a bunch of fights where he gave up one takedown, and then his opponents go one for seven, one for nine, one for five. He's really quite good with like that. a drug dealer. He gives you the first one for free. But, but the, <laughs> well, I don't know what drug dealers you've been working with. They didn't give me shit for free. But how about this part? Over the weekend, it just didn't stop, did it, Brian Campbell? John Jones, Israel Adesanya, still going after it. And why do I bring that up? Because, one, John Jones said outright, Israel Adesanya, you were offered this fight and you did not take it. Two, as I just alluded to, I believe that Dom Reyes is much better than folks seem to realize. And what happens if Dominic Reyes wins in February? However unlikely we might assume that to be, that Israel Adesanya fight, it goes up in smoke. And you have the famous Lorenzo Fertitta tweet talking about, I think, Pac after he got knocked out by Marquez. Oh, boxing, you should have struck while the iron was hot. You should have made Pac too. Hashtag GSP versus Anderson, and they didn't make it either, and they made Maypac and made a bunch of money. It wasn't that good. My point being is here, Jed Mishu over at MMA Fighting has vociferously argued the time to make Adesanya versus Jones is now. And Adesanya, we know his reasons, but he didn't, he didn't want to make it, and, and, and here we are. Here's what I'm going to say about this. Yeah, take the floor, Luke. Um, thank you, I will. He, I do think that you have to wait on that fight. However... I don't think you can wait till 2021. That's all, dude. 2021 at, at the earliest is 13 months away. Adesanya got to a title in 14 months. That is an absolute eternity. Unless, I mean, just do the math. Let's say that John Jones wins and he beats Dominic Reyes without significant injury. Who's he going to fight next? Corey Anderson? Corey Anderson's going to fight Anthony Smith, it looks like. He's already beaten Anthony Smith. Uh, Johnny Blockowitz will probably get up. Yeah, that great. Right? That's a fight we really care about seeing. And by the way, you could get injured in camp. You can get injured in the fight, even if nothing happens, blah, blah, blah. My point being is, I don't think he cares about those fights. I don't think you care about those fights. Worse, something catastrophic could happen, or age might actually be creeping up on John because in his last two fights, he has looked talented, 
but a little bit reserved and maybe not quite the physical dynamo that he once was. Now, that could just be the two aberrant performances, or it could be a reflection of the fact that he got into the game at 20, 20 or 21 years old, even before that. So my sense is 2021 is too long, but if he beats Dominic Reyes, the time to make this fight between Adesanya and Jones uh, is going to be summer 2020. True or false? I still say false. All right, here's the deal. Anyone who has fear of, well, what if Dom Reyes wins? I, look, here's the deal on that. Um, there's a thing called GSP Sarah. There's, there's blips on the radar that happens to great all-time champions, and sometimes you lose a fight. John Jones could have easily lost to Tiago Santos in that last one, the split decision in which John sort of left that back door open for whatever reason you may say against a guy with two non-working legs who he probably could have taken down and just finished that fight off. Whatever. Had he done that? He runs it back, he probably wins the rematch. Should he lose to Dom Reyes, he runs it back, he probably wins the rematch. I think that you're really risking sacrificing what Israel Adesanya is as a star and a brand by rushing him into this so quickly in a somewhat no-win situation. Now, that's not true because the, the chance to beat John Jones is the big victory and become really the biggest star of the sport right now. But is he going to do that? Is he going to do if, that before his body if, matures into that weight class? Here's, here's no. Like, if he goes in there and blows the doors off Dom Reyes, I give, it gives us all a pause. But what if he goes in there and for a third time looks not pedestrian, because I don't think that's the way he's looked, but beatable. Looks too yeah. efficient, looks a little looks too Looks a safe. little too reserved. Dude, uh, that is a fight. If, if that is what we end up seeing, that is a fight that Adesanya can win. You brought up the fact that, yes, there was a GSP Sarah, but GSP had already lost before that. He had lost to Matt Hughes in his first title fight. He got submitted. We had sort of seen that bubble burst. Okay, John has the loss to Matt Hughes, or sorry, Matt, uh, um, uh, excuse me, the death fight. Matt Hamill. Matt Hamill. Please. He's got the loss to Matt Hamill, but not really. No one has really truly beaten the guy. If Dom Reyes does that, dude, that is a historic moment in the sport. I'm not saying you couldn't do an Adesanya Jones yeah, super fight if they have a the rematch risk. and he recaptures it. What I'm saying is you have significantly reduced what it could have been. I think to your point is they're heating up earlier than maybe they should right now on social media. And they're they're forcing this conversation to happen. They can't stop. The Grace Jones meme there from John Jones was funny. It was good. Israel's back saying, you know, I'm I'm not only rent-free in your head, I'm willing to pay the rent because I'm there. It's getting good, but I don't know, man. Israel Adesanya just had this insane year to climb the mountain. This division has some names that we want to see him against. What's the, the potential? Choice, what's the potential loss here? What if he gets the dominated? best choice for for Yo, Excuse me. The best choice right now for Israel Adesanya, and I'm in favor of it, is Yoel Romero. Given all the other circumstances in the division, where he just beat Whitaker, Till could maybe get it, but just has that one win after the two losses. And then you have Yuval Romero, who's coming off of losses. His best option for a fight is a guy coming off consecutive losses. My, my only point about this is, yes, he should defend his title. He wants to defend his title. That's fine. But if you have a Dom Reyes who is very competitive with John Jones, why can't Israel Adesanya be? All right, if you that did it late next year, if you did it in the second half of next year, it's almost sort of meeting in the middle on, on, the, two, on the reasons why you should or shouldn't do it. I think unless... John Jones is telling UFC in the back, like, I'm more likely to go to heavyweight in the next two years than, than anything else, so we have a short window to do it. Or unless you are the smart UFC matchmakers who sit in that room next to Dana's office with the chalkboards and all the names on it, and you're saying to yourselves, I think Israel actually could beat him. I don't think in my heart that this middleweight version of Adesanya could put on some weight, go up and beat John. But if you believe that he can, and these guys are a lot smarter than I am, then, it, then it's, not, it's not as crazy as you would think, maybe... Maybe you open Raiders Stadium with, with, a, with an outdoor uh, a Super Bowl fight there. And, and you, you're, you're rolling the dice that you believe Adesanya could, 
and that it would be worth the gamble of, of what a loss might mean because you believe he could be the number one star in your sport. If you believe that and you believe he can win it in UFC, you do take that chance late next year. I think to your point, and this is what I've been sort of keying in on, there is this widespread belief that certainly at 205, John cannot be beaten. And to this point, that has been a very, very accurate way of looking at things. I don't know if Dom Reyes is going to beat him. But my thought is, if Anthony Smith could at times be competitive, or at least defensively not overwhelmed, and then Tiago Santos could be quite competitive with him in spots, again, injured, what if Dom Reyes is actually really competitive with him? You have to ask yourself, what can Dom Reyes do that Israel Adesanya can't? Probably a few things, but is it really so much that you couldn't make up that ground? We just can't accept the idea right now that John Jones might be beatable at 205, and I don't know that he is. But this fight against Dom Reyes is going to tell us a lot about a potential that Israel Adesanya might have should he go up to 205. Can I say something awful? Please. Remember when Manny Pacquiao was just knocking fools out, rising up in weight, just destroying people? And then he cleaned up his life, found the Christian faith, stopped rolling dice and gambling and, and banging chicks in nightclubs. Allegedly. Okay, and then suddenly it was more... And then voted for draconian laws in the Philippines. pedestrian performances out of the great boxer Manny. He almost was showing, like, grace for his opponents and not finishing them when he had the chance. Like the Bradley fight? Is, could the best thing for John Jones be a, a, a lost weekend, a bender here, to get him back in, in line on being God. a destroyer? Maybe meet me in a... Uh, Albuquerque intersection here? I mean, bro. Uh, he's going to start not answering your question. I'm just too. saying, like, he's getting a little bit too efficient and smart for his own good. I need that old John Jones who walks you down and gets you out of there. Fair enough. He needs uh, a wake up call, is what I'm saying, all right? And, and to, my, to, to the point I raised earlier, people keep thinking Dominic Reyes is somebody who's like, well, he's talented, but whatever. Okay, maybe in the end that's true, but I don't know. I, I get the feeling there's, more, there's another gear to the guy that we haven't seen that we probably will in this contest, win or lose. All right, which takes us now to Bellator London over the weekend. It's funny, Brian Campbell, that we've spent a lot of time today talking about boxing, as we should have. It was the most important combat sports event over the weekend. But Bellator is doing something kind of interesting with MVP. He is getting what I would consider to be a lot of what would be the MMA equivalent or so of tune-up fights. And he wins over the weekend in quite spectacular fashion, I think with the right hand. And even Paul Daly, his old competitor, was he didn't outright criticize Bellator, but he said, this is kind of ridiculous that he's getting this many fights. I saw a graphic that was like most knockouts in Bellator history, and he's not at the top, but he's pretty close. But it's like, dude, if you were matchmaking Patricio Pitbull the way you're matchmaking MVP, he'd have <laughs> 75,000 knockouts by now. So here's the question. I saw fans split on this. On the one hand, Brian Campbell, you have the camp that says this is, including Paul Daly and many others, this is ridiculous. How can Bellator keep giving this guy fights that he is virtually guaranteed to win? And on the other hand, there's the argument that, like, look, man, people want to come out to see this guy. And when he fights these guys that he is significantly better than, he delivers, to his credit, highlight reel fights and knockouts and, and performances. This is the one right here. So which is it? Are you allowed to have these... I don't know. I wouldn't call it endless tune-ups. He's only had two since the Lima fight. But are you allowed to continuously have guys beneath your level to preserve star attraction in a developing market for a brand? Let me ask you two questions. I don't, I don't actually off the top of my head know the answer. Was this his first fight since the knockout loss? This is his second. Okay. And was this the original opponent or was this a late replacement? This was the replacement, but the original opponent was a career lightweight. Okay. Um, I'll, Another I'll, problem. I'll put this as a foundation. There's different rules in Bellator, and we know that, right? It's a, it's a <coughs> promotion that, that it's the fountain of youth. It's the cocoon shell at the bottom of the pool where the old people find extra life. You can match and build somebody up as an attraction. You can do the carnival circus thing. 
I have not, this has been a normal thing I've said through the years when I tune into these Bellator cards and watch MVP send these fools to hell is that it's so damn exciting that when you have a fighter who fights like this, they tend to stop fighting like that when they go up the ladder and face the very elites, like we saw against Lima, because if you take too many chances, you're going to get caught, and you're going to pay for it. Where I've been saying for years, if MVP doesn't want to match himself insanely difficult, this is entertaining. This is must-see TV. MVP tries things in the cage that other people aren't willing to do. In, the, in, in an attraction like Bellator, especially if the plan was to keep him ap- happy, keep him a star, and keep him well-paid, if they want to go down that road, I wouldn't be against it. But when you do that, Luke, you lose the ability to make, you know, public comments like I'm the best Walter White in the world. You're sort of agreeing that you are an attraction. Should he want to do that and come up for air every four or five fights and fight somebody tough? That's their decision. It could work in Bellator. It wouldn't work anywhere else. I'd be entertained by it. It's not the best way to find out how great he is. Do you think that there's any part of him in the promotion that wonders that themselves how many this is a serious question i'm not doing a bit because i couldn't pass this test either how many mvp opponents can you name so lima who else and then paul uh, the, the gonzalez guy that pushed him and almost upset fernando him. gonzalez um so, you caveman bet, rickles caveman rickles santos cyborg santos they got a skull yeah, crush but yep. that was uh, a moment anything else you can name uh, no. Okay, no. so he's fought. I bet they're all from Thackerville, Oklahoma, though. Uh, some of them, yeah, actually. I bet he, they've helped set be, up the cage beat, that he night. He beat two UFC veterans, one in Ricky Rainey, one in No Sean Burrell. He beat Rudy Bears, and then he beat, he's beaten four guys in Bellator without Wikipedia entries. Charlie. I think Anti- he fought Chuck Mendenhall when he had hair. Charlie Antiveros, Jeremy Holloway, and then his last two, Richard Keeley, uh, although he's a little bit more well-known, and then Giovanni Melilio, or Melio, or however you pronounce his name. My, my rule on that is this, okay? Clearly, when he goes up to fight the really, the, yes, he beat Paul Daly, but my point is he didn't look great. Not, neither guy looked great, but he didn't look great doing it. He was really, really stifled, and Douglas Lima just kind of walked the room, basically. It wasn't much of a challenge for him. I don't mind these fights, but they serve a specific purpose. The, uh, the UFC has kind of not abandoned Ireland. That's not quite true, but Bellator has made significant inroads in them. And they have this like European series that they're going on where they just want to maintain a market presence. They've got a lot of Irish fighters. They want to do business in, in London. This is a guy who can sell tickets for them. So I don't mind if he gets one to two of these fights. But like, okay, he's had two fights now. By the way, he's fought four times in 2019. In February 2019, Paul Daly. Then he fought Lima in May. And then his last two, Richard Keeley and Giovanni Melillo. I have pronounced this guy's name, Giovanni. Okay, you've had two gimme fights. Since the win, oh, excuse me, since the loss, the bad loss to Douglas Lima, time to get back on the horse, right? My rule would be I don't mind giving these guys tune ups or star making fights. It's frankly the Scott Coker strike force method. They're taking it a little too far by my judgment, given what, they, what their ambitions are. But dude, the UFC has been a ruthless competitor for them and they have to make weird adjustments. So I would say one, two tune up fights for all the purposes aforementioned, I'm okay with. But like, if they give him another one like this, back to back to back, that would be, to me, gratuitous. It's time for him to face somebody else. And that's a great division that they have. Him but against Rory would be interesting. Koreshkov would be another good one they have. They have a lot of good guys. And by the way, what we've learned is he could lose that, and he, I don't think he would lose much market appeal in London because he can get back on the horse and deliver highlight real knockouts. So my attitude is you can't just abandon completely this obligation, I think, that MMA fans put on promoters to have the best fight the best. Uh, but you could play around the margins. Two fights in a row, to me, is playing around the margins. It is fun, though. Yeah, but it's like, 
Imagine what they would do again. Imagine what Patricio Freire would do if they gave him fights yeah. like this. Do he be take? He be decapitated? Well, yeah, but he's a seek and destroyer. MVP is sort of a f around and try to set up the walk off knockout. Right. You know, his whole style is predicated on I have to be so much better than you that I can do you know the robot and then knock you out. Uh, if someone's really good, he can't do all those things. He just becomes something a little bit less. I mean, you don't, ha- but you don't have to fight guys we never heard of. Like, there's a there's a caveman Rickles level, right? If you fought maybe a little bit better, I mean, that was basically Anderson Silva, Forrest Griffin that fight. Literally. Yeah, it was fun, right? I like the way he worked it. No diggity, no doubt. I'd like to bag it up. God, you sickened me. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of things I'm sickened by, uh, Brian Campbell. Actually, that's a terrible intro. Yeah, uh, I don't know what that worst, means at all. Right? Uh, let, me, let me just start that one over one more time. It's live, buddy. It's Is this going to end with you disgracing pies again? I like pies just fine. The idea that that is a better food than cake is just what peasants Hair like. pie? Peasants. Peasants like you. Okay. All right. Uh, that was an 80s reference. There is no big super-duper fight this weekend. There's, I'm sure, going to be some. Check out Grabaka Hitman on Twitter. I'm sure he'll have something for you. But there's no real big Bellator. There's no real big UFC. There's no real big boxing fight that I'm aware of, right, Brian Campbell? Um, but it is Thanksgiving on Thursday, which got me to thinking, Brian. Now that the uh, Thanksgiving uh, holiday is upon us, the year is drawing to a close. People are incorrectly assuming that the decade is coming to a close, even though it's not till 2020. Well, it kind of is. It's, it's not. I mean, is, is, is the year 1980 part of the 70s? No, Luke. So let's wake up to that, all right? It's not I know part you tried to do this I'm smarter than you thing on it's Twitter. Not, it's, not, it's, 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 just, it's just math, bro. It's, it's just math. There's no year zero. You start at one, it goes to ten. It goes zero to nine. That's how it goes. That means you have, then the first decade was not a decade, so that doesn't make any sense. If if a decade is ten years and there's no year zero, just just do the math. Anyway, the point being is this. I would like to ask you, what are you grateful, what are you thankful for here in the year of our Lord 2019? I am thankful that uh, combat sports is back, and particularly boxing. And when I say back, I mean promoted, pushed, and accepted on a mainstream level. Luke, there was a time, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. I remember, I think it was 2011 and 12, and there was like 12 pay-per-views that year. To be a boxing fan, you had to have multi-premium cable subscriptions, and there was all these flights flowed to pay-per-view that didn't belong there. It was, I mean, to be, to be a boxing fan, you had to be a part of this secret club in which it cost a lot of money to get in, and more often than not, you didn't get what you paid for. And right now, boxing is being pushed to the forefront. And it's on Fox and ESPN. It's also on Showtime. The Zone's popping in and throwing a ton of money around. And it's bringing health to the sport. Simultaneously, God, UFC has an ESPN contract. We never would have you know, guessed that at a certain point a long time ago. And it's so mainstream that it's blowing up and it's, it's financially friendly. I get to do projects like this and it's great. I can pay off absorbent kids' travel soccer fees. But... <laughs> It also gets to do things like this. Companies are getting to invest in a fresh, new, fun show like this where we can just come out here and peel the skin off the onion and just cry and let it bleed and just say it like it is. No cringe, no protection, no nothing, okay? Raw dog style. No, we'll edit that part out after. That was really gross. But you get what I'm saying. I'm yeah, you thankful. are gross. I mean, look, we, sometimes as boxing and even MMA fans, we get to, it's like, we love our sports. We don't want Jalen Rose going on ESPN and saying Canelo should fight Lomachenko which is something that happened, by the way. Um, But sometimes that's a necessary evil, to have your sports be healthy. And I've gone a long time as a boxing fan when the sport wasn't healthy. And I've gone a long time as an MMA fan and journalist as there's been some peaks and valleys. I'm thankful that uh, 
You and I get to sit here right now. Yep. I'm thankful that that a-hole Jay is in my ear a lot. Fuck Jay. I'm thankful for these people sitting back here putting up with my really inappropriate jokes. I'm thankful for this bomb shelter in this somewhere in the swamps of Jersey. I, I'm, I'm just a thankful person. We got fights every weekend that matter. We got big events. We got crossover things going on. The sports are healthy right now. My wallet is fat. That's been the first time ever, Luke, okay? Well, here's I'm cashing I, checks left and right, all right? I'm, I'm happy to see that. It's a long time coming. Um, and I'm glad to see that you're finally getting what I think you've long deserved. I would say what I'm thankful for is first. Do you, you know, it's funny. We used to talk about, I think, I want to say like um, four or five years ago. So let's say 2014-ish when the UFC was like overwhelmingly doing shows. They did seven shows in, in uh, Brazil that year. That's when they went to a place in Brazil, a true story, called Uberlandia. Remember that? And you're like, what is going on? This just glut of content. You're like, there was a lot of content, but it kind of felt like the golden age was the age of the Matt Hughes and the Liddells and the Couture's, and a little bit later the Lesners. That little spot from like, let's say, 05 to 09, right post Ultimate Fighter to the end of Brock Lesnar, that felt like the golden era. That felt like when MMA was just so hot and everyone was talking about it. And I don't know that we'll recapture that moment where every month MMA just seemed to grow and grow and grow and grow. That was unique. But what I will say now is, I don't think that was the golden age. That was the golden age of becoming. Now is the golden age. Dude, over the weekend, you could have watched in Korea a brilliant jiu-jitsu tournament on flow grappling if you wanted to. Or fight to win pro. Davi Hamosh from UFC had a match against Gary Tonin. If you wanted to watch K1, that was over the weekend. If you wanted to watch Lithway Burmese kickboxing, you could have done that. There was... Uh, Ortiz versus Wilder. There was Bellator overseas. Uh, there was uh, USA Wrestling as well. The Zone had two boxing cards on Saturday from separate countries. I mean, it's incredible. If you love combat sports, if you love it when a guy goes mano y mano or ladies uh, with another competitor, this is the time to be alive. And you can get it whether it's in Myanmar, whether it's in Canada, whether it's in your backyard, whether it's pay per view or whatever. Streaming has really North enabled... North Kakalaka and Compton, right? And it could, be, it could be at any time. Plus now, one of the things that's great about like LFA, they went over to Fight Pass, which I think... I, I always worry about you know the UFC sort of controlling the regional scene a little bit. On the other hand, they put the entire library of LFA already on there. So for a guy like me, I can go back and trace somebody's developmental steps. Like just things like and, this. And just real quick, you don't care, but the same thing's happening in pro wrestling and we're going through a boom period right now. I've heard. Because of access for the same reason. And, and so it's all, it all to, to your credit and to your point, it all fits together in the same point. Dude, if you like that kind of stuff, now is the time to be a fan. You can get everything it seems like at your fingertips. There is a bit of a cost to it and some sort of technological barriers I get. I just can't think of a time in my life where if you wanted to watch K1, you had to go get the old, weird, uh, uh, not streams, but um, I, don't forget the, I forget the terminology now from forums, and they had to read like weird magazines oh, yeah. printed by Calvin Ayer Your laptop from would get STDs. I yeah, mean, it was just, it. now you, don't, you can get all of that stuff so easily, so effortlessly. It, it's a great, great time to be a combat sports fan. That's the first. The second one I would say is, you know, I realize we're kissing up to our bosses here, but the reality is, dude, we are insanely lucky to, to have this job. Now, granted, they have held us capture in Guantanamo Bay here for the last <laughs> six or seven months, so that part has sucked. Um, but I will say this. I have fi- I- I'm 40 now, and I have finally You're arranged... you Come after you. I yeah. know. Uh, I have finally arranged a moment in my life, or between my, or I should say, among my radio show, my personal YouTube channel, and now this... I get to say whatever I want for the most part. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, which is simply unheard of in combat sports where everything is incestuous and everybody has to keep quiet about everybody else. 
And I don't know that I always uphold the ideals that I think I should. I, I, I'm certainly an imperfect person in that regard. But you know this too, man. This is a sport where um, the reason we can thrive by just having that as a feature is because it is so rare. It is so rare to have opportunities like this. I can tell you many times, we go to the boss and we're like, we want to talk about this. Is this okay? They're like, yeah, let her rip. Let her rip. Just go. That's, that's what the yeah, appeal is. Yeah, it looks is. like, can I say vagine on the air? They're like, yeah. You're the one who's going to get us sitting in the HR, not me. Uh, in any event, dude, we are super lucky and super grateful. And I think, my hunch is, the people out there, I think they recognize what we're trying to do. And they seem to appreciate it. So thanks to you guys, man, because... Showtime, they read what the things y'all say, and they are loving that you guys seem to get the concept and what we're trying to go and what we're trying to do. And Should this lead to a speech about how they should subscribe? Because I think they really should. They should. You should subscribe. Get us to 30K by 2020. Um, I think we'll probably blow past that, given the sort of progress that we've been on. And then what, what's the plan? You're topless, but with a coat over it? Something like that. All Something right, like right, that. Right. Maybe suspenders. I don't really know yet. In any event, I'm not just saying it to like, oh, shucks, thanks, audience. No, really. It makes a huge difference. I have tried to get to this spot for years, and now we're here, so it's time to build what we have. But started, well. Yeah, it started in the bunker. Now we're here. Um, do you find when you go around, I mean, we'll, we'll reveal the fourth wall here. Yeah. When you go to fights, when you go around, people go, oh, man, I love morning combat. You know what they never say? Mm. They're never like, oh, man, I love your, your really weird jokes, or oh, man, I love when Luke talks down to you, or anything like that. They're always like, Man, I love when that guy Jay Fs things up and gets in the way. I mean, what have we built here by accident, you know? People do hit write me about Jay. They're like, yo, fuck Jay. And I'm always like, that's what I've been saying. Exactly. Uh, all right. Time now with all those, um, you know. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for meat pie, by the way, because Thursday, that's the centerpiece of my Thanksgiving meal. Can't wait. I want to see pictures. Did you bring me some pictures? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll bring you a slice. Let's do it. Okay. It's a French-Canadian tradition. You said that about right? the beer, and then you uh, just kind of I think we need a spinoff episode at a brewery or something. I mean, did you see Stone Cold Steve Austin, Undertaker, had that show where they were doing whiskey shots last night? No. We, we need something like that right here. All right. right. Well, well, you pitch it to uh, our bosses. All right. All right. With that in mind, it is time now for your questions. It's time now for DMs with Donks. Hey, you got some hey, animation. Look at this. Look at this. The budget. Hey, look at that. I got some animation, huh? To what do I owe the honor, giggling Jay? Uh, all right. First question's up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strangle him. Uh, all right. Here we go. This is from TVGC MMA. Is Wilder the least skilled, most one-dimensional boxer ever to be so dominant, Brian Campbell? I think he actually is. At this level, the title Not just level, heavyweight? Uh, yes. I really believe that. And look, look, again, you can say what you want about Wilder's competition level, although once he flipped that switch and decided that he wanted to be great and decided that he wanted to fight everybody, he has, has or has tried. Let's not forget, he tried to fight Povetkin twice until Meldonium got in the way. But yes, he's completely one-dimensional. He builds his entire game around protecting that one dimension and sort of weeding out the vulnerabilities. And he has 10 title defenses. You know, it's the same thing. Joe Lewis has the record for heavyweight title defenses with 25, which is absurd. And I know there's some bum of the month club elements and the fighters back then fought a lot more. But we're talking about a heavyweight boxing. That guy defended the title 25 times. That's absurd. So is Wilder with 10 right now in this era where there's four belts and they can change at any time. Yeah, he's completely one-dimensional, and that one dimension is absolute badass grenade that can go off at any time. I mean, good God, it's fun to watch. Yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody else who I have watched in my lifetime who has just like, he, he's like a knuckleballer. Remember, I think his name was, I could be getting it wrong, I think it was 
Tim Wakefield. I think he yes. pitched for the uh, Red Sox. Now, eventually he would get shelled, but there would be games where it, he would just retire the side, retire the side, all with literally the exact same pitch over and over and over and over again. I'm trying to think of somebody but, else. But while like there's a, a fastball guy, I mean, exactly. it's, it's, it's almost like a guy. The that, analogy's imperfect, but I'm simply saying, who else in your time covering boxing you've sat ringside for that you felt like boxing's equivalent of a knuckleballer? I can't. I mean, you know, Prince Nassim Hamed was a unique guy that he would, like Roy Jones, he would break all the rules and square up and switch stances. But that's and, the, and but he that's, would, he would that's, get you out of there. But that's unorthodox. That's not one dimension. That's true. And he, and, and he had speed and ring craft. So that's like a couple of things. But uh, God, I don't know. I really don't know. He's he's crazy like that. It's like Damian Maya, but but you know more down that road. You know, it's just weird. It's like the dude. The scorecards don't mean shit. It's like he just gives away round after round, and then bang! It's it's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, all right, Springer St. Louis says, setting aside anti-dumping hysteria and personal biases. Who do you think? <laughs> I love that disclaimer for you. That was for you, Luke. All right. Anti-dumping hysteria. I'm not even sure what that means. I mean, like economics. But no, he means PEDs. All right. He meant he oh, to say doping. Doping, okay. Uh, who do you think would have benefited most from PED use, i.e., this person writes, Daniel Cormier is historically clean anti-PED athlete but had many injuries that PEDs may have helped as well as performance. I'm not sure how to answer this question. Who could have benefited from PEDs? So he's saying which All fighters that are known, that are sort of known and have convinced us that they're not PED users could have most benefited to take their skill level. Like when Barry Bonds was using at an absurd level and he took his already MVP skill level and suddenly he's hitting 73 home runs. Yeah, I think you can't really answer this question because that would mean you're living in a world where you believe that the only people that are using are the ones that are getting caught right. and that everybody else isn't. And I am, you know, personally, look, we don't, we don't lie on the show. We don't, we don't pull punches. I don't want to get sued by any fighters, but I'm personally more of the belief that 95% are using than of the belief that it's the five. Fifth, 10% that are getting caught. Yeah, the answer is all of them. Um, not, I mean, I'm not sure how to answer this question. Like, there's, it's, using PEDs, what does that mean? Right? Are you using EPO? Are you using anabolic steroids? In what kind of a capacity? Do you have a designer drug, which I think a lot of them probably do? John had dick pills for a while. You can, you can go a couple ways with this. You know, it, it just depends on like how you're using it. I think he's saying, for example, remember Krokop got um, shoulder surgery and then had some HGH as a, as a way to uh, expedite the healing process and then just told Yusada to go shove it when he went and fought in Japan. Um, yeah, I think a lot of fighters probably could benefit from situations like that. I have frankly be- believe, and I know this is just politically untenable, but the NFLPA should make that available, I think, to NFL athletes. Uh, HGH administered for, um, for healing. But, um, you know, neither here nor there. Because I don't, I don't, to me, that doesn't, I know it's chemical, but I don't see that as a functional difference to weed out relative to stem cell therapy that you have to go to South America to get, right? To me, it's like... You know, people. This is the thing I always get: is go, everything should be all natural, dude. Surgery is unnatural, right? If you break your arm and it pokes through like a compound fracture through the skin, you're using modern medicine and accumulated wisdom to fix that. And people say, well, it's to get you back to normal. Well, at this point, you are just simply playing with terms, right? Um, and then again, it's like with the um, with the uh, stem cells. Oh, but that's all natural. Dude, you are expediting the healing process in a significant way. Not with chemicals per se, but with these, this accumulated modern medical wisdom that was simply unavailable 20 years ago. And I'm supposed to believe that this is somehow different. So all of them could benefit. It would just be in what capacity or for what reasons. Can we play deathbed confessions? Lorenzo Fertitta, could he pass a USADA test today? 
Uh, yeah, here's the thing. Let's assume that you're right and that he's been using. He certainly looks like somebody who, uh, at a bare minimum, has a great personal trainer. Uh, I don't care. And it's not my business. <laughs> and I mean, dead serious. Like, to me, people using, we have accepted the idea that this is like a great sin and um, this is an unnatural thing. When in fact, it's, it's, I don't consider it to be either of those things. And that to me is, and I know that's debatable, but especially in the case of private citizens, you think I give a shit if a private citizen roids up, dude, roid up until you're fucking blue in the face. You ever watch an action movie? What the hell? I mean, those guys are, are juicing to the... I remember that time Sylvester Stallone got caught in Australia with like, you know, the, the amount of HGH that could oh feed a God. third world country. I mean, you ever seen this guy? What, you think, you, think, you think Stallone got like that in the 70s by fucking eating tilapia and getting a good night's sleep? Like, what do you... You know what I'm saying? Like it's just a ridiculous way to go through life, and you're popping, you're popping the control room here. You're yeah. On fire well, here's, right now. here's the point. It's like, dude, I've, I and I, this is a true. I swear on my mother, and, I, and people understand that when I say that, I say that sincerely. I am absolutely interested in trying TRT and anabolic steroids. I've never done it ever in my life. I am obviously very intrigued. I'll inject you on the show if you want. I, I'm very intrigued by the prospect. The prospect, dude, world's strongest man is only the shit by virtue of uh, anabolic steroids. Um, uh, one of my favorite uh, deadlifters, he doesn't do much these days, but like Larry Wheels or Pete Rubish, these guys admit they take. Dude, it ups their deadlift fairly, well, at some points, not so much, but in certain cases, it can it can really expand what is humanly possible. Yeah, sorry to ruin your childhood, but the American Gladiators, not clean. Yeah, it's like, again, I understand this is a debatable thing and that folks have a lot of like 1980s Nancy Reagan say no to drugs ideas bat, you know, banged into their head, but... Um, the rule, is, my view is, drugs are here, and you can spend all the wor- time in the world trying to get rid of them. You're not going to succeed. Finding some kind of some kind of acceptance is really the best way to go about it. And if a private citizen, great job it, throwing a PED question in this in this questions, guys. All right, well, dude, we just we have such. It's, I don't. It, the last thing on this. Last thing on this. I swear, we have such backward attitudes towards towards drugs. I don't. I don't quite. I've never. It's never. No one has ever explained to me why there are. Why it's some kind of mortal sin in sports. Oh, it's against the spirit of the sport. Okay, what's the spirit of the sport? Which, by the way, this is how Water defines it. They can't define it. Uh, you ever it, be at like Thanksgiving and you have that one relative, like crazy uncle? Man, who, eat you can't, shit. You can't bring up like the JFK assassination around him because he's going to go on like you a tour. You act like I'm in the fever swamps of internet forums just bringing up rando things. I'm telling it's you, like, man. It's like, don't bring up Obamacare around Uncle Joe, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, all right. Next question. Well, the good news is my family doesn't know what I do for a living, so I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Uh, okay, this is from Stefano underscore GD. Brian Campbell, do you think that, or did I skip one? No. Do you think that the fact that the many malfeasances wow. by the UFC, contracts, sports washing by dictators, etc., are not addressed by mainstream sports media, uh, even with the ESPN exposure, confirm the status of MMA as a barbaric spectacle in the eyes of general public? What a fantastic That's w- question. That's way too educated for me to understand what, what they're actually asking. So here's the thing. Ma- malfeasances? Is malfeasances. That a, is that a Disney movie? Um, malefic- ma- malevolence. Oh, no. Okay. No. Who, what's the one with Angelina Jolie? Maleficent. Maleficent, yes. Malevolence is what I have towards you. In any event, um, consider this. So Kareem Zidane has written about this, how the UFC doesn't do a lot to combat the presence of Ramzan Kadyrov, right? They don't really lecture Habib about posting pictures with him. They signed some of the fighters from Akhmat MMA. They signed Greg Hardy, and they were, you know, Dana White's attitude was basically like, get over it, um, and even Kareem Zidane writing recently about the UFC going to uh, China and sort of ignoring the abuses of the Uyghur Muslims. 
Whether you send Colby to the White House, a lot, a lot of things. And, well, on. more than that, they made that documentary called, like, uh, I think, Combatant in Chief, where they literally lie. Not that Trump didn't play a role early on in allowing the U.S. to use his casinos, which was legitimately valuable. But then I saw a follow-up Washington Post op-ed in the wake of Trump getting booed at UFC 244, and someone was arguing like Trump played a pretty integral role in saving the sport. No, he did not. Like that, he played a helpful role, and I can acknowledge as much. But it's simply inaccurate to like say, "Wow." What a, so they and then they, he was a rival with affliction. That, that that went down in flames. Right, and the the point is, it's like it's not about whether you like Trump or not. It's about eventually someone you don't like is going to be in a position where that organization is going to wash their record. What will you say then? And so, given that they have done some of this stuff, what does it say that the fact that they're on ESPN never seems to have any, it never seems to cost them, right? You would think, oh, you're on ESPN. Uh, what a disinfectant. You're on the mainstream now. It's going to really go after you. Mickey and, Mouse and Dana in the same bed, yeah. So how come it doesn't? Uh, dollars, I guess? I don't know. You know, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why that doesn't, because people just want to care about the fights. They don't necessarily care about the corporate right, but, relationships. Okay, but why doesn't Bomani Jones talk about it? Why doesn't Sarah Spain talk about it? Sarah Spain hectors the free world yes. about all of the problems, some of them quite real, many of them quite real. And I would yet, say some of it is some of it is okay. Some of it is ignorance. There's a mainstream even to this day with the popularity of MMA and UFC and the fact that UFC has an ESPN contract. Who still compartmentalize that as cage fighting, right? Well, that's a cage fighting thing. I know it's on it's on our network tonight, but it's that cage fighting thing. I don't think people dig through enough. I mean, you could just watch like one boxing press conference today and be like, why are we not writing five stories on what that guy said? You know, if that was the NFL quarterback, he'd be suspended. It's uh, combat sports to some degree is still considered a different world. You know, it's still considered the, the, the remember those kids at school that, that, uh, that couldn't act normal and they got put in like their own recess area in a cage? Did you go to schools like that? I'm like that scene from Dumb and Dumber where Seabass is coming and yes. I'm like, I'm doing that number. Luke, there you go. Um, I'm just saying that I still think to a degree people don't care. And then on top of it, uh, they've got a big deal with the UFC and they're cashing them checks. Yeah, I think, one, it's partly media hypocrisy. I think we should say as much, right? When you're like, oh, man, Colin Kaepernick's really done wrong. Hey, what do you think about Ramzan Kadyrov <laughs> taking pictures of the UFC champ? And they just, you know. Well, they, they don't, just they don't know, though. They don't care. Yeah, but sometimes they do, and they don't say anything. Um, so, one, it is ignorance partly. Two, it's media hypocrisy. I think, three, the, the answer that I would come to is, um, yeah, they just basically look at comp- – I, I had a sports fan explain to me once. He's like, when he goes to a game at a bar – or you know, the bar has the game on, you know, you can look around and sort of feel like you're around sports fans. And he couldn't quite put his finger on it. He goes, but when the fights are there, he goes, it's a different crowd. It's a different crowd. It's a little rowdier, a little bit, you know, these, you can tell these people who don't necessarily, some of there's some overlap, yeah. but they don't necessarily, they're just not a sports crowd in that way. And I tend to think that it's like esports, you know, they'll include us in the community of sports to the extent that it is beneficial but they don't think they really care about our troubles. I don't think they really care about our issues, and I don't think that they really, um, they're not really invested in solving any of our Good problems. God, this is an odd couple. I'm trying to come up with uh, dick jokes in the moment, and you're going pseudo-political, social, and uh, it's this great, This is though, the question you know? that they ask. It's great, though. It's great entertainment. I, I, I think I would just, my, my, like, for example, my dad found out about uh, the Ramzan Kadyrov thing on his own, and he was like, how is this not bigger news? And I'm like, I, I just don't think people care. And it's, I think it comes down to that. I mean, if it was basketball, I mean... You know, Daryl Morey can't even tweet support about Hong Kong protesters. By the way, the Hong Kong elections, uh, the pro-democracy parties whooped ass. So that was good news. Uh, All right. Let's move on here from Jake Averch. Who's next, Brian Campbell? 
for Amanda Nunes if she defeats GDR in December. She could continue cleaning out both divisions, but it doesn't look like she has any big fights left like Ronda or Cyborg unless Valentina decides to move up. Yeah, this is the problem. You know, we've talked about this problem before that she's been so dominant. She's cleaned out both divisions. The Bantamweight division has never really recycled post-Ronda in terms of building up new and young and, and ready opponents couple young names getting close, looking pretty good. I don't think there's a go-to name at the moment in either division, and that's sort of a problem. I think you're going to be able to produce, though, whoever's next in line to keep the chains moving. But, yes, her next big fight, her next that mad- fight that matters, that we should get excited about, is probably going to end up being Valentina at 135 in a trilogy, unless somebody like a, I don't know, like an Aspen lad can get hot and, and, and rise at the right, you know, at the right time. I don't have much to add to that. Also, Jay's in my ear, so let's go to the last one. Oh, wow. Uh, this is from Luke Thomas News to Brian Campbell. Is Cannibal Corpse the best band Unreal. ever? Brian Campbell, Unreal. what do you think? Who let that get through? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no. But you're trying to tell me that they're like the standard bearers in this genre of like, uh, you know, uh, we can make it's a called joke. It's called death metal. It's called death metal? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, to be honest with you, before meeting you, I'd never heard of them. So... I don't. Are they really? They're the standard. You know, when I think well, of how this, many other death metal I bands think, can you name? Man of War, Megadeth. I think it's that's not the, death metal. Well, that's thrash metal. That's different. What's the difference between death and thrash? Um, largely death metal. First of all, the sounds a little bit different. I would I would classify it as, as heavier. Slayer. Heavier. Sorry. Slayer. Slayer is thrash metal. What's Pantera then? Thrash metal. Okay. You're talking about okay. '90s thrash metal, dude. All of the themes are about sort of horrific murder, gore. Yeah, that's great, um, yeah. That kind of thing. And you put those headphones around your wife's stomach for nine months? Yeah, and my kid came out beautiful and smart as shit, so right. what do you know? All right. Um, yeah, dude, they're, they're an incredible band. Yeah, I, I mean, among death metal, I, I don't know that they're the biggest. There's some other big ones, Six Feet Under, Morbid Angel, that kind of a thing, but... I heard War Machine was a big fan of them before the downward turn. Oh, really? Is that what you're going to say? That I'm going to, to commit horrific crimes in the name of music? Who are you, fucking Tipper Gore? What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, God, wow. wow. What's wrong with wow. you? These kids and their video games, that's the problem with society. Yeah, thanks. Okay, Boomer. Uh, all right, you want to get okay, into boomer. it? Um, the music just kind of sucks, man. Look, it's not for everybody. I don't need music that's going to help me have a good cry and eat a bucket of ice cream and then have, yeah, well, let's, and, let's, then, right. and then go to meetings for Cucks Anonymous. That's not what I Fair. do. Fair. What do I love out of music? Um, if it's if it's more of a guitar-driven jam band type thing, it's certainly the you sounds. You like I don't like that. I'm, I'm, I, just I like that too. I just want to tell you. I can get the sounds and the melodies and the feel and the groove and all that. If it's more acoustic folk and it's more about the, the song and the lyrics and the story, I can adapt to that. I also like me some hard rock when you just want to, yeah. But when you're going into the category of death metal and it's just screaming into a mic, and I'm not trying to sound like Boomer or Old Man or Get Off My Lawn, but what is that attraction where you can sip from that cup on a full-time basis and be like, yeah, that's my music, man. Well, even I have to take breaks from it because it's so heavy. But I, I was, again, it goes back to the original. It's like, look, if some people want to go tripping billies with Dave Matthews, man, get the fuck out of here. You can go do that. I don't care. But for me, I'll just explain it this way. When Taylor Swift comes on and I see people being like, oh, my God, did you hear about Taylor Swift? I listen to her music and I just I just don't feel anything. I don't, I don't I'm not moved you by it. You die inside. Uh, no, I don't feel any. I don't I don't, I don't I don't actually I don't even hate it. I just I I get no reaction. Yeah. Um, but when Corpse Grinder gets on there and says make them suffer, dude, I I'm not I don't know how to explain it. I feel I feel something. And so to me, partly it's just an innate like uh, I think gravitation and I think also I like boundary pushers, dude. I like, and, and by the way, I didn't like this kind of stuff overnight. I just sort of trended in that direction 
over time, I, you, you know, you had mentioned before the show you like Pantera, right? A little bit. Yeah, oh yeah. right. I can so appreciate I, I started, I started like Metallica, then Pantera, and just kind of ended up here because I found it like if you really want people out there, you know, just absolutely breaking all the norms. I don't know where you go beyond death metal. To all get right, I'll try Cannibal Corpse. Does the box set come with a trench coat or no? The, the trench coat mafia listen to your kind of music, fool. I don't want to hear it. All sad emo shit. I'm sorry I don't like Death Cab for Cutie, that's, fuck That's face. not my lane, all right? That's not my lane. Keep all it right. going. All right. is it time I will for follow you into the Is it time for Slapstick? Oh, we're there yet? We're there yet? <laughs> hey, uh, we got an intro? We got some animation here? Luke, have you seen this hey! shit this week? Oh, yeah. Oh, the old poop wow, emoji. Luke, Luke didn't approve that. All right, Luke, uh, you know Have You Seen This Shit is the uh, viral combat videos from around the globe. Yes. By the way, shout out to Kaposa at Grabman. Uh, uh, Grabaka Hitman. Grabaka Hitman. That guy fills all of our lives with this type of stuff. You get amazing. a lot of stuff from him. You go to his Twitter account first to find this. First, we go to Romania, Luke. Mm. Dynamite fighting show. Check out this brutal KO by Kostin Minku. Forfeit your soul on the ring apron. Luke, you want to ring the bell? How about you knock the guy out on top of the bell? How about that? The fight's over. Just get the fuck out That's Alex Philippe, yes. Sending him to hell, Luke. Bop, bop. Violence! Look at that back tat on, uh, on, on Costin. Love that! Wow! Wow! You, you get down with diamond, is, dynamite fighting show? Dude, kickboxing is, that... is uh, it's so different than boxing. Yeah, it's pretty pretty brutal. It's brutal as wow. shit. Wow! Man. All right, we're gonna go to PBC. We know Deontay Wilder had the big knockout. His brother, though, Marcellus Wilder, the cruiserweight on the undercard, and oh yeah, boy! Look, look at the, uh, so opposite stances, like his brother fought. He, look at look at the uh, look at long take the angle going down like Ozzy Canseco's career the jab, here takes in the terms angle. of. And then wow. So here's the deal. Marcellus Wiley, 5-1 and one as a cruiserweight. He was dominating this fight, and Dustin Long really did the opposite of what Deontay did. Basically what Deontay did. Yeah. Lost the whole fight and then landed one punch and basically turned him into Frank Stallone. Look at this. He's the forgotten look at, look brother at the sidestep the on the angle, and then, oh, that, yeah, that is, is right on the Right in the mouth, right? And also, like Deontay, we talked about it on, um, on Dissected, not this. But he lands when the when the arm is kind of still yeah. bent, which is maximum. Do you force. like bootleg boxing brothers like Bobby Pacquiao and uh, uh, Matthew Hatton? I find and, uh, brothers in combat sports typically just not great duos. It's a little Batman and Robin ish. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. It is. It is. All right, we're gonna keep it rolling. We're gonna go to Bellator, London. Luke, tell me about this submission. It kind of surprised me. From half guard. This is see. Kent Koppinen getting the tap by sticking his elbow into the guy's Adam's apple. Is yeah, this a common submission? I've never... Um, you, the way I explain that is you can't beat anybody good that way. So watch. The guy on bottom never bridges. See how he never bridges? He's actually holding the guy on top in half guard. He's thinking he's holding him there All to right, prevent... Well, hold, on, hold on a second. He's thinking he's holding him there to prevent the pass. He actually, he crosses up right there. But you should be bucking because there's no reason they should be able to post their weight on your throat. It lo- if you didn't know anything, and I don't know anything about the internal things of this, you've been you've been rolling for years. This looks weak to me. Remember when BJ told GSP only a bitch taps out on strikes? Does a bitch tap out with an elbow to the throat? Well, I would never call a pro fighter that, but what I would say is no. Th- this is uh, this is. I hate to say it this way, this is white belt material. You should never, anybody good would never come close to tapping. Is it because he went in there with the mohawk? Did that, did that hinder him? And by the way, you see how his left knee is, show it back up one more time, please. Pull it back up. See how his left knee is up? He's not, he's not shrimping to guard. He's not stepping out and then using that knee to push the hip away. He's literally just laying flat and taking it. Thank see? you, Bellator matchmakers. Just, oh, we're going to stay in Bellator London. Uh, I don't know if I've seen this before, and this shit can't be legal. Dude tries a spinning back kick to a downed opponent. You can hit the body, right? Bop. Uh, is that legal? 
Dude, they, they, there's some shit going on in Bellator, bro. Man, we should have a, a sub-segment <laughs> of this called Spinny Shit, because I think there I got a few is, coming your way here. They get some fighters out there in Bellator that just, they do weird things. This is almost like Michel Pedeta, only he would do it off the top of the cage. And, I mean, and, I'm not even sure what functional value that's. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't good. Uh, let's stay in line with Spinny Shit. Big weekend for K1. You yes. know this guy, Yuki Agawa? Uh, Kaposa does. Yeah, look at him. Oh, oh what, what, what are we watching here? Am I on the right one? That's how my liver felt after the Cannibal Corpse concert. Oh, I had so many drinks last night. Oh, I had, I had, I think four or five doubles. Last so that's night. his second body shot knockout of the same night. Though this is the, did I give the wrong gift? I may have given the Shut wrong the gift. Fuck. This is the first one. So the second one, uh, which we may not have footage of, is. Yuki goes out there. Some dude tries spinny shit on him and misses. Yuki comes back with a spinning back kick from the Seaver playbook and basically takes his soul. But we go, we got more spinny shit in K1. This is Yasuhiro Kido. Look at him F around. Oh! The no dude, K1 is the shit. K1 is the shit. That's uh, Katsuya Jinbo who went down there. Yasuhiro Kido uh, going Magic Johnson with the Nola. Jesus, right? how do you order at a Japanese restaurant? I'm right on top of these pronunciations. I'd like the seaweed salad. Uh, can we see this one again? <laughs> and the edamame. Talk about spinny shit here. Do this you guys sick. have mayo for my sushi? I'm Brian Campbell. Okay. Uh, can... <laughs> that was a heck of a no-look uh, spinning that back. That was a dad stuff. joke, yeah. I got to find more street fights where there's wild Dude, can we do wild one show without shit? talking about dicks? I don't all think right, we can. Right. Uh, hey, let's move on can. out of this. I, I forgot to put the other video in with the, with the spinny shit. Um, Luke, oh, you can call this the uh, Boston teabag party. Oh, Look at this. <laughs> I had dates on like this. That's not, in, <laughs> that's not in the face. That's in the dong. Look at that. Wow. wow. Dude, and she got head trauma, too. Look at this shit. Wow. Oh, this guy, Dama Dick Wilkins, this is actually, just drop him. This is me arguing with people about PEDs online. Yeah, man. Oh, wow. That Look, I mean, everyone plays one-on-one with their significant Dude, other. why just... would you do a dare like this with a white guy dunking? That what? guy, wow. Is that Derek King, our social media guy? What that... a terrible mistake. Oh, my God. Look, at just, sur- just now serving bags, right? Wow. Just, just, just. Uh... Dude, she got, cru- follow her head. Charge or block on that one, Rex Chapman. What do you think? Uh, I would say charge. Uh, yeah, I might charge him with indecent. Uh, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, man, that's a mouthful. That is, yeah. You ever, you ever, uh, you ever touch him? You ever put put? A lip? I can't see you being able to play basketball. In fact, we should play one on one for this show. Right? Out out on the streets of Jersey dunking, City. I've been dunking since I was fourteen. Get the hell out of here! I bet you you're awful at hoops. Oh well, I haven't played in twenty years. There but like go. played in twenty years, my ass. No, no, I played. I'll take you to the hole, Billy Ho. First of all, bitch, I will block you like Matumbo. No, like it's, no, 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 no. You'd be no, like, no, wow, no, I didn't know Hakeem Olajuwon no, 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 turned no, no. into a gray and white guy. The only thing I don't have anymore is stamina. Maybe a jump shot, too, but I got everything else, all right? No, no, I'm not making this up. It's not a bit. I've been, able, I've been this tall. Literally, I've been this tall since I was... You're trying to tell us Stop. that you've dunked... Wait, hold on, hold on. Time out yes. on this teabag right here. You're trying to tell us that Luke Thomas, all 6'4 of you, has dunked before. Yes, many times. Donuts? Uh, that, too. But, uh, yes, I have dunked. It's not, it's not, it's not that hard. Now are you just barely putting the ball above? Oh the... yeah, it's not a pretty dunk. I mean, I'm not I'm not up there like fucking Jordan, you know, doing one of the Isaiah Ryder shit. Have you dunked in a game? Have I dunked in a game? No. Did no. you play high school basketball? Yes. Were you a contributor? Uh, it's funny you mention that. Until private school, yes. Public school, no. <laughs> Once you had to start playing with the uh, the city kids, not never, that never would have guessed that you dunked the ball. In fact, I may need. Can we call? Can we phone a friend? Can we call? Uh, 
East Kellenbor. Where are you from? Old Marietta? Can we call him Old Marietta? They wouldn't. They no, wouldn't. I didn't play in Marietta. I'm going to track down your, co- your coach, and I'm going to get him on here. All right? Yeah, you're welcome to. All right. Um, I, got, I got one more for you. I got one more bonus. What, guys? We don't have that KO from Glory? All right. Check out this shot. Oh, God. Talk what about game? bend it like Beckham. That guy's not going to pee straight for a where, week. Where Look at this. Guys? Oh, God. There's some football for you, Luke. Some football. You want football? I got it for you. Wow. Again, I like how the premise of this segment is supposed to be combat sports highlights. Dude, it's just dick jokes. Don't stand in the aisle, jerk. Look at this guy. Wow, that's what you get. Posting up on his tripod. I'll take care of that. Look at it all. Right, off, no other right off somebody's head, too. The deflection's beautiful. First of all, that shot sucks. And then second of all, look at this guy. Oh, wow, these are out of order. You're killing me today, Jay. You're kill- You're throwing off my mojo. We do have one more for you over the weekend from Glory. All right, we gotta the get fastest going. KO in here. Glory history. John King needs 10 seconds to send this guy from 7-Eleven to hell. Look at this. Wow. Who, who, who passed that guy for a, a commission there? Look at this. Was uh, this on the main card or the I don't know. Card? I'm sure Todd Grisham was on the call. Guy's got good abs for 43 years old, you know? Who's 43? Todd Grisham. Not that guy. Oh. Wow, that guy's dead. Look at that. Guy probably drove the Uber home, right? <laughs> after, after they woke him up, right? All right. Dude, this segment yeah, is it's about... Yeah, it's, it's the awesome. best. It's the this, best. This segment is about insulting fighters who lose <laughs> and dick jokes. That's, that's the intersection. Oh, fuck you for getting knocked out. Look, have you seen this shit? Yes. Another successful week in the books, all right? Uh, all right, is that it? ba da ba Oh, God. All right. Um, with that in mind... Have we been fired yet? All right. Oh, yeah. it, uh, okay, time to do odds and ends. Uh, oh, you're going to have a cutter Thanksgiving this weekend, or we don't talk about that? A cutter thing. Dude, I'm not Arab. I don't know why you keep saying that. You said you grew up there, right? I spent six months in Doha as a child. That's it. Go ahead. What's your odds and ends? Oh, odds and ends this week. Um, boxing is heating up at 130 pounds, junior lightweight or super featherweight, depending on how you get down. And this is normally a stopover division. Featherweight has been a sexy one for years. Lightweight at 135. This is that one in between. But Leo Santa Cruz moved up over the weekend, won a secondary title from Miguel Flores. He wants all the big names. He wants all the smoke. Now, Gary Russell, who's moved up to 130. He wants Gervonta, who just moved up to 35. But at 30, this weekend on ESPN, you've got Carl Frampton for the featherweight titleist moving up. You've got Oscar Valdez. Valdez, former featherweight titleist, moving up. You've also got Rene Alvarado knocked out Andrew Concio over the weekend. There is big business to be had at 130 and in the surrounding weight classes. Was it, was there it Leo Santa really Cruz fun- boring? Leo Santa Cruz is the most, exci- most, the most boring, exciting fighter ever. He's all pressure style in your face the whole time, but because he doesn't have fight-changing power, all the rounds look the same because he's such a good boxer and he puts on the pressure and he was facing a second tier opponent. Also, and unfortunately, he's facing too many of them. But the fact that he wants big business in 2020 with Gary Russell, with Gervonta, you got Lomachenko ling- lingering around this division at 35, willing to come back down to 30, and you still have big names at 26 who can come up at any time. There's potential for some big matchups to come. going to be interesting to see how Carl Frampton looks this weekend, because if he wins and Oscar Valdez wins, that's a fight you can match, and that is fireworks. I would love to see that. Fair enough. For my odds and ends, I'll do the, I mentioned it earlier, the, the Spider Tournament in uh, Korea, South Korea, they held it. There were two different winners, but the one I wanted to focus on was the, I think it was the minus 100 kilo winner, Kanan Duarte. This guy, keep an eye on him, 21 years old. He's already won the world championships at Black Belt. He won an ADCC medal. He couldn't beat Gordon Ryan in in Nogi, but he certainly is, um, in his own weight class, was incredibly competitive. And he's just, just 
21 years old. So he's, and, and by the way, he had to beat Nicholas Marigali to win in the finals. There was some controversy about it. But to be 21, to be an Atos black belt, to have titles in the gi, to have titles outside of the gi. Remember, Gordon Ryan's 24. Where's Kanan Duarte going to be when he's 24? Maybe he will be as good. Maybe he won't. I'm simply saying, at 21, he has already showed absolute flashes of brilliance, high technical ability, great athleticism, speed, aggression, the whole bit. He is the total package at jiu-jitsu. I don't know if he has MMA ambitions, but if he does, he's got a good style for it, too. He finds the back rather easily. So, And also, shouts to Gary Tonin, who beat Davi Hamosh in a very, very exciting match at uh, Fight to Win Pro over in Hawaii. Did you see the uh, Sonny Liston Showtime doc yet? We ran the promo off the beginning there? I've not. It's called Pariah. I've been meaning to watch it. I've good been, piece uh, of business. Good piece of business. Yeah. really gets you thinking about... Uh, some controversy in there. It's interesting. If you guys want to watch it or anything else on Showtime, look at the bottom here. You can see it. You can use the code COMBAT with a K. You can go to Showtime.com slash try30. You can try Showtime for free. You can try it uh, for 30 days, right? Get a good look at it. You can take, uh, take it all the way up to, I believe, um, New Year's Eve day. So why not see what's on Showtime? Lots of good stuff, including some boxing coming up on December 7th. This documentary Jamal that's Sonny Liston. Back, yep. uh, Billions is on there, of a, a highly rated award-winning show, and many, many other programs and as well. Davis back December 28th against Yuri Urkis Gamboa in Atlanta. Should in be an interesting fight. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff to get to on Showtime. So while this show is free, certainly you can get it for free for 30 days with that trial there. So please check that out. By the way, it looks good for us with the bosses when you do. You know what I'm saying? So do that. Um, yeah, yeah, please, please, please do all that. All right, please, Brian. Please, uh, please hit subscribe, all right? It's time. It's the holiday season. Give back, all right? Let's go. Well, I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Thank you. Do you guys sit around and just tell uh, dick and fart jokes? No, we have an outdoor touch football game in the backyard every single year. People still talking about the bloody toe game when I rallied to, uh, to lead my team to victory. You're making um, fun of my athletic achievements, and you are Al Bundy. Yeah, but this game is like, there's kids in it, there's adults in it, but it's serious. It's how many friggin' people, serious, How many right? people? It's about together. a nine-on-nine. Nine. We do a draft beforehand. That's a lot of people. Then we do a secret vote for the MVP afterwards. It's wild. It's fantastic. Meat pie and then a Madden tournament and then a UFC uh, video game tournament to close. How right? drunk do you get? Uh... But there's Bud Light served there. I'll put them down. I'll put them down. Yeah. Yeah. Then I gotta drive the family home though, so I gotta be gotta be smart. Right? All right. Well. Uh, what about yourself? What's gonna happen God, here? Do you know what's so funny? This is a true story. Like I can bash my family because they don't watch anything or listen to anything I do. Uh, they hate football. Seriously, they can't stand football. So right. the deal is because I have the baby now, they're all gonna come to my house for Thanksgiving. I don't have to travel, which is good. And it's my house, man. I feel like I should be able. To, tell me if I'm wrong. Seriously. If I go to someone else's house and they say, hey, I don't want you to put on the TV for football, I find that to be crazy, but it's their house. You kind of got to respect the rules. It's my house. I feel like I should be able to have football on yeah. during Thanksgiving. You wanna, I make the you rules. You want to walk around in your boxers? It's your damn house, I right? pay the fucking mortgage, yeah, right? So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to put that on. God damn it. So then, um, wow. yeah. <laughs> Domestic bliss going on here. This yeah, but then, uh, but then uh, we do a lot of stuff with the baby. We've got a lot of stuff playing with the what, baby. What's, what, what's the food, one piece of food you're most excited about? Ooh. One piece of food I'm most excited about. I would say my brother's uh, potatoes au gratin. All right. Slice them up, cheese, bake them up. What's your brother's name? Matt. All right. His name is Matt. All right, brother Matt. Yeah, shout out to that. Yep. Um, anyway, all right. Well, have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you, sir. Right back at you. I okay? uh, hope you have a good time. Hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving as well. Like I said, man. Super thankful to you. One more time, you can get the uh, go get the Sunny Liston doc on Showtime with the trial with the code uh, with combat. 
Here you go. You can follow it. By the way, they got the thing up for Morning Combat there. Fantastic. Yes. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe yeah. to the channel. And then, of course, give us a follow on social media. Send us your so feedback. No, no stick pics in the DMs, but send us your feedback. We love you. We love All right. you. Keep watching. Uh, don't drink and drive over the holidays. Stay safe. We'll see you back here in a week. Enjoy Thanksgiving. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.